0: Join Startup Canada this spring as we tour across Canada to celebrate the winners of the 2018 Startup Canada Awards. Join us in Winnipeg, Vancouver, Miramichi, Sault Ste. Marie, and Montreal. Network with leading entrepreneurs and the drivers of Canada's startup community. Visit StartupAward.ca for more information and to get your tickets now.
1: Rogers, Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers' world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy, whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team, or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started.
0: Building your dream. Work-life balance. Scaling up discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast.
2: million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit StartupCan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. i um, just really excited to have my guest today, Mayor Jeff Lehman. He is the 46th mayor of the city of Barrie, a seasoned economist, and economist as well as an innovative urban planner. He, Jeff has led a series of urban innovations through public and private entrepreneurship. His economics... Uh, economics expertise I'm having a tough one with that day today comes from having been a founding director of Electra which is the second largest community-owned utility in North America serving more than a million customers in southern Ontario also as a consultant specialized in city building he had prepared the business case for get this seven billion Canadian dollars in infrastructure investment in Canadian cities and advised cities of varying sizes on linking land use, transportation, and economic growth. So when Mayor Jeff sat in the office, Barrie was destined to go under rapid growth whether it wanted to or not. Put on your seatbelt, Barrie. Quickly becoming the Canadian capital for data storage and management companies, IBM, TD Bank, Cognico, and Napoleon are just a few names that have developed major new campuses in Barrie. Also in 2015, the city was recognized as as Canada's Third most entrepreneurial city by Financial Post. Today we're going to talk to Mayor Jeff about the opportunities of urban innovations when public office meets private entrepreneurs. Mayor Jeff, welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast Show.
0: Hey, all right. Thanks for having me on, Rivers. Well,
2: wow. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Hey, eh? it's great. I, uh, I our scriptwriters, they do just an awesome job of uh, of really capturing, capturing the not only the, the the history but also the essence of the history, and so well. Done deserves, sir so first of all I want to talk about uh, I I had the uh, the the fortunate ability to see you speak at the fireside conference mm-hmm. and um, in Ontario in September I, I want to I want you to talk to the entrepreneurs across the country because I but I also interviewed the founders of that organization while I while I was there can you tell us you know what was what, what was impressive to you about the fireside conference not necessarily as a speaker because you spoke a few times but as a participant.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, what an amazing event. These guys uh, have got something truly special there. They uh, they call it an unconference, right? I mean, mm. you, you imagine the traditional conferences and meeting rooms and convention facilities. I mean, they're great. But this, you know, the talks are all around a series of campfires. And because it was, uh, you know, out of cell phone range, I mean, you want to really make 400 yeah. tech people shake in their boots take them outside of uh, cell phone range. And, but you know what that did? Everybody's head was up you know, we're in the, we're in the dining hall having dinner. Uh, you couldn't hear yourself think because of the conversation and the energy. And then of course, all the, uh, all the presentations around fire pits. So it just creates a totally different atmosphere. For me, what was special was the degree of focus. I have gone to so many conferences where people, you know, dutifully troop into the breakout rooms and listen to someone but most of them are looking at their phone, let's admit it, through a lot of what's going right. on. Uh, and the engagement is, was just really next level when you take it out and put it at a summer camp. Then layer on top of that the emotional piece of it all. I mean, I don't know about you, but summer camp is like an emotional throwback for me uh, in a big way. And it was just a special experience, right? Because these guys, you know, a big part of Fireside is uh, being out in that environment and, and maybe uh, a little bit of nostalgia and a little bit of new memories. Uh, but I'll tell Uh, you uh, as a, as an event, it's totally unique. And, uh, you know, I think the crowd that was there for me as a mayor was a major, major opportunity. And I, I really appreciated the guys. um, Thought I had something interesting to say to the crowd.
2: Do you remember what you talked to the crowd about?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I talk about what I call shift government. This is moving from being reactive all the time to being proactive, using data and new models of collaboration, particularly with startups, to do that. So this is like that's like a whole hour long talk, but the thirty second elevator, that the, most of what we do in government is reactive. we We try and fix problems after they happen. We now have the potential with the Internet of Things with pervasive uh, big data that's out there and available to us, start pro- solving problems before they happen. And while that's not even that new an idea, and in some areas, crime prevention, fire prevention, and so forth, we can now spread that all across all of what government does, whether it's healthcare, education, uh, infrastructure like water and sewer, and even you know uh, traffic, transportation, all these sorts of things. But what you really got to change, Rivers, is the culture. Government has right. to. Government has to embrace the idea we can work with the startup community and and actually in some cases even embed them in what we do that's like a right. that's like a 180 for government thinking I mean we we tend to procure things through very very cumbersome process uh, that um, are driven by bottom line not by added value or innovation uh, and so we we have to change my people have to change uh, but if we do that I think there's enormous opportunity for collaboration
2: so you became the, uh, the 46th mayor of the city of Barrie. And I, I know you took that mindset into your office when you took it over. Can you talk about some of the proactive activities that you did within, say, the first 90 days, 120 days? <laughs> yeah, first 100 days. And, 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 yeah, and how was it embraced? Yeah, it like, for sure. What? Well, <laughs> Yeah,
0: it, I mean, it, it is a little bit um, of an uphill battle sometimes. I mean, it, it's so, uh, you know, first of all, I came in with a bias, I suppose, because I built my own company over 10 years. And, and as a small, fairly agile research and consulting firm, you know, I'm probably predisposed to seeing the the upside potential of collaborating with small business. But I mean, one of the one of the very first things we did was just try and create a, a you know, a, a welcoming environment or a more supportive environment, just on the regulatory side, try and strip away some of the licensing and bureaucracy pieces that were going to uh, really get in the way. But I'll tell you, the big change we made, we put we reorganized the, the corporation, the city Barrie. we have 1000 employees, we're a big organization, lots of departments, wow. divisions, Lots of different stuff we do. And and one of those is try and attract investment. Another thing we do is run major festivals. Another thing we do is uh, support our cultural community, arts and entertainment. We actually put those three things together. And actually, we added a fourth thing, which was downtown, uh, supporting our historic downtown, revitalizing our historic downtown. We really put those four things together and and put them into a specialized group within the city called InvestBerry. And we said these things should be, we should be thinking about these things together. We should be thinking about things like how does a strong restaurant sector support a strong tech sector? How does a historic downtown environment with great public spaces and festivals create a positive business environment for startups and for scaling companies? And that sort of philosophy has underlined really what we've done since over the last five years.
2: The um, how how did you pick those four? Uh, were they ones that that you said okay? Those are the sectors that have the best potential for success. Had the entrepreneurial uh, spirit already embedded in them? Um, how how come those four? Yeah, that's a
0: great question, and and the reason is we see some magic in the call it the alchemy between them, which is that the right tech sector, uh, a lot of startups uh, like to be located in a vibrant urban environment. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I've had um, founders and and uh, executives from scaling companies sit in my office and say, you know, I'm in this suburban business park, or I'm in this sort of unit in an industrial area. And yeah, it's cheap, but nobody likes being there. And we would really rather be You know, in a downtown where there's places for our staff to go out and and have a drink or some food after work, where there's some live music, uh, where there's uh, events going on. Um, And, uh, you know, Barry, uh, we have this huge advantage, which is we're a waterfront community and the historic downtown uh, sits right on on the waterfront on Lake Simcoe uh, in, you know, in the heart of Ontario's recreational country. So uh, it's a you know you can literally leave your office on Dunlop Street, the, the North Main Street, and a block away is a stand-up paddleboard uh, operator, <laughs> uh, a beach, nice. a marina, a rollerblading path. Uh, now we've got the volleyball. I mean, you it, it is literally you can see it out your window. So nice. You know, we said that's that's a great value proposition, and and we were hearing from business owners. That, that you know we had something in that, that that really did maybe have the magic around attracting talent and i guess that's the core answer rivers we thought those four things were key to attracting talent and and that is the new currency in in the modern economy
2: um you are uh, one of I I'm, I'm, I live in the city of Fredericton, love my city too, focus on similar things. Mayor Brad was right Mayor, he yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful and and, and Mayor Brad uh, he was the the head of the the Mayor's Association of Canada. I know there's a different name to it, but yeah. uh, my my question is is that are you seeing more and more mayors now embrace what you're doing, your strategy that, that you're doing in Barry, because it sounds like, duh, it's so obvious. Why isn't everybody doing it? Well, I, I mean, I think there is was, there has been an understanding
0: for quite a while, really in in urban planning. you know the urban planners of the world and planning profession get that animated streets, active public spaces, attract um, dynamic companies. That, you know, historically, and, you know, uh, there's a certain irony in me saying this because I'm the mayor of a city that is very proud to host, you know, three huge data campuses. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Which are totally... I want to talk about that. I
0: mean, that's totally different. That's totally suburban, secure sites, all the rest. They're a little bit of a different piece. When you're talking about the digital media companies, um, uh, the SEO companies, startups who, um, you know, the, the absolutely critical thing for them... Is, is talent. And that talent wants uh, a lifestyle, not just a workplace. And I think, you know, urban planners kind of recognized for, for years, for quite a while, that great public spaces were key to creating those uh, kind of working environments and, and uh, places that companies would want to locate. I think, and I am seeing this now in in some other cities, and I don't think we were the first, but we certainly embraced it, is, is sort of add that food and drink piece. So I can tell you, 10 years ago, the food and drink sector in Barrie was like a bad word. It, it, uh. it, 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 for politicians, it was, it was seen as a negative um, sure. because, you know, what it really meant was too many people getting, getting drunk and fighting at 2am. And, you know, our yeah. police had to clean it up and the downtown was a mess and people thought it wasn't safe driving at to all this sort of stuff. I, a couple of things really changed. I mean, I think, some of that calmed down to begin with, and I credit some of our our nightlife uh, folks for, for really working on that. But, you know, what grew up in Barrie was this restaurant sector. We now have 75, about 75, independently owned places to eat in a six block area, a very small, compact area. And, that is so cool. Well, and the funny thing is, like five years ago, we said uh, we'd like to let them have patios on the sidewalk. Well, you would have thought we were, uh, you know, proposing to sell the entire town. Like uh, people were really (laughs) upset. It was was amazing the the kind of arguments we heard. And, you know, a lot of them were around, oh, you're going to take out some parking spaces and let them build patios? Like, like, you know, there's 2,500 parking spaces in downtown where no one was like 20 of them. Anyway. Right. So we started this patio program. And – Four years later, there's 35 of them, and we're actually now, we're just designing a project to expand all our sidewalks permanently because these patios are so popular, and and they animate the street. They, they make it a great place for for half the year. There's all these people sitting outside, and you can walk down the street and pick restaurants patios. And, and I think when you, you sort of step back and say, you know, how does that work with uh, startups and economic development? Well, it creates an environment people want to be in.
2: Yep, it's a you know what I uh, I'm one of my favorite um, philosophies on success in business and in personal uh, endeavors is is the way to really really excel is to zag when everybody else zigs and the, but the key in that whole philosophy is it doesn't have to be huge momentous zags and little things such as simply putting patios out in restaurants can have such a huge 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 impact so to get people to to start to think in that mindset, I think is really what you've started to do. That it's the little stuff that can add up to the great the great momentum with the innovation, whether it's patios or the the next uh, technical um, uh, masterpiece coming out of Barry. So, I, I you know, I, I when I'm when I'm hearing you, I'm still, I'm, when I'm sensing that there's still that bewilderment in your head when you're saying they were arguing over patios, <laughs> <laughs> because you know they wouldn't argue about it in their own home. So why all of a sudden do you? think that restaurants are having it with a restaurant would be such a goofy idea yeah. yeah absolutely amazing but uh you know but that's uh you know that's unfortunately the part of the job of being the mayor you got to listen because oh, these yeah. are your constituents and uh and and of course they have a they have a right to say just as the the people that want to go ahead with it um i i'm interested in the the data play uh yeah. with the ibm td bank and is it pronounced cognitive cogico? cogeco Kojiko and Napoleon. So they're just a few that that have chosen Barry for their, uh, their, you know, for their for their locations to be in the data storage and management field. So can you tell me about that journey where you said that's the, what we're going after, and here's why?
0: Yeah, for sure. So this the the first one uh, was Bank of Montreal, and this was uh, just over ten years ago. They moved uh, a major facility from Steels and Woodbine, which is right at the north. Um, boundary of the city of Toronto, where Toronto meets Markham, they moved that facility up to Barrie, Built a brand new facility and, and moved people, and it's got an office function as well as um, a series of other um, sort of data support and storage functions. And uh, you know, it was interesting because there's a you know there's a value proposition obviously around you know cost savings. You take something that's in the city of Toronto and put it just about anywhere else, uh, but certainly when you you come an hour north to Barry. But that's, you know, for a Bank of Montreal, all that cost proposition sort of hails in impact beside uh, what's the HR impact going to be. And that was really the big question for BMO is, you know, could you, would the people be as happy? Will they be happier? Will they move with us? Will we have, you know, significant transition costs there? And I'm, I'm really you know delighted to say, I think if you talk to them today and, and we, we have talked to over the years, it's been sure. a very, very positive move because this is a city as well. We're a very, very young city and uh, demographically, our average age is extremely low. For a while, it was the lowest average age of any of the big cities in Canada. One of the reasons wow. for that is actually it's not like sort of packs of, of <laughs> roaming 20 somethings. It's, uh, <laughs> it's people in their uh, 30s and 40s have who have young kids and right. you know Barry, like you know like wealth like kw places like that are, are places where people often do choose to raise a family and and a key thing there too i think is that's often a point where they've built up five years experience in their chosen career uh and they you know they really want to uh, set down a path and continue into a leadership role and i think for our major data centers, that characterized a, a number of the, the sort of workforce aspects of the move. So, but for us, I mean, there's there's a couple really sort of boring things about why Barry for data centers. Uh, one is hard infrastructure, water and power. So yeah. you mentioned in your opening uh, bio Electra, which is the um, now actually we just had another merger and we're we're the largest community-owned electricity company in in, in, in uh, Canada. So. We um, uh, uh, have a lot of experience with the tech sector. This is the power company that supplied most of the nine hundred and five, uh, and by virtue of that, I think we were able to offer to Bank of Montreal, TD Bank, IBM a, a great deal of reliability and expertise on all uh, on electricity, because obviously, uh, security of supply and reliability is absolutely essential. And then the other thing is these are these are facilities with. Tens of millions of dollars of investment in hard infrastructure, computer infrastructure that needs to be chilled, and water is a key piece for that. So that we're good at that. We're really good at water in the city of Barrie, partly because we got a, a big lake and a giant plant that provides water for that. But we actually have redundant systems too. So those were kind of you know those are the, maybe the boring pieces. I think the more interesting one is is around you know there's there's a workforce piece here, a talent piece here, um, you know lower turnover. For your workforce of hundreds of people who have immense knowledge in what they do in data storage and management, uh, that was really valuable to these companies in in being able to bring their workforce here and know that it it was going to be stable. It was going to be a place their people wanted to live.
2: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, I uh, I want to talk about the word campus because that was in the script. Uh, the intro, it, it, what does that mean a campus when these companies bring in their their campuses into sure. uh, into Barrie? Well, it basically means they've got a lot of land. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but,
0: uh, I mean, usually I think uh, it's fair to say, and I'm generalizing here, but I think these facilities are built with a couple of things in mind. One is security. Uh, obviously, they need to be very secure facilities. Uh, because of the importance of the two. Um, but the second thing as well is they, they build them with an eye to expansion because they're such enormous capital investments. I mean, you don't just pick one of these things up and move them. Um, the, the buildings are, are specialized in terms of the building systems, um, the hardware, and then, you know, just the hardware itself, maybe, maybe more convertible, trans- transferable, but, you know, the building systems to support that are a huge investment. So I think when they choose these locations, um, you know, they're choosing them with an eye to the long term. Uh, I imagine data is not going to go away. Uh, what yeah. was it Bill Gates said? I'm not sure this internet thing's going to catch on. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I, I think it's safe to say it might. Um, yeah. So you know, if, they, if this is going to be around, uh, if hardware needs are going to be around, uh, if we're going to need the infrastructure, of cloud computing for for years, have a home. That has this kind of investment behind it. Uh, you know, they build these campuses, they build on campuses because they might want to do more in the future. And, and of course, I'm we're delighted by that.
2: You, you know, when you said the Bill Gates quote, I, I just re- had a flashback to uh, the Olympic gold medal game um, um, in um, Vancouver. And my buddy said two minutes before the goal was scored, man, that Sidney Crosby's done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and ding away it goes. So yeah, mm-hmm. famous the last words for sure my friend. Yeah. Um this is a this is an audience of startups, entrepreneurs and I'm always a believer that uh, you know startup isn't about beginning a business it really is about innovative ideas. Um, you're obviously you obviously embrace that as the mayor of Barry. How do you how do you um, encourage your constituents? Uh, and I'm talking to the uh, not necessarily the big companies. I'm talking about your local citizens uh, bringing innovative ideas to to you personally or to your office. Have you got a innovative ideas department that says come on I, in and let's chat? Well,
0: <laughs> it's funny you should say that. Uh, so earlier. <laughs> Yeah. Earlier in this uh, in this chat, we were talking about when we sort of reorganized the city as a as an organization to be more agile and to be focused on some of these priorities. Uh, we created that group, Invest Berry, out of those four sectors: the uh, yes. business recruitment and the creative economy uh, with festivals in downtown. Another group we created is literally called Innovate Berry. and it nice. contains. Oh yeah, it contains our HR department. In our IT department, and and why would you put those two things together? Well, that's about getting the talent in our organization, the training, and the tools they need, the uh, technology tools they need to be successful. So take that and then turn it outward, and you say, okay, uh, how can how can our organization engage startups? And yes, I mean, I I have people come into my office and say. You know, I've got this new algorithm that does this. I'm trying to turn yeah. it into a business. And I'm like, wow, geez, are, am I the first guy you've talked to? That's awesome. Because I got four more people I really want you to talk to. So nice. what we've tried to do, Rivers, is build an ecosystem, you know, that includes this group, innovate, Barry, and, and uh, Invest Barry, the, the business development, the location piece. But it also involves mentoring. And this is something that our college has been great at. We have an entrepreneurship center called the Henry Pernick Center yeah, at Georgian College. And uh, they have a mentorship program and we work very closely. Like those mentors are literally in and out of my office and in and out of City Hall to try and um, uh, use the city's uh, opportunities because there are a number of opportunities. I mean, there's doing this, but there's also the things that we're connected to. So if it's medical, like we've got a partnership set up with our family health team. These are the doctors, there's 80 doctors, they got 135,000 patients. And we've actually set up a little research uh, partnership with them called Healthy Berry. Uh, and we got some help from the U of T with that group. So with those three partners um, uh, together, you know, we're going out and saying, okay, if you've got a new medical technology or product or even a service, come to us with it. Um, because we might be your Petri dish. We might be a, a, an R and D environment. Mm-hmm. um, through that family health team, uh, through the U of T, uh, for you to try and, um, advance your idea and ad- advance your discovery. So we, we try and create these little ecosystems and some of them, you know, like health are, are, are industry specific and some like the entrepreneurship center are more about, you know, the table stakes of business, trying to help with IP and hiring your first employee and scaling and, uh, and that sort of thing.
2: So so these are great foundational pillars for the city and um, just very, very powerful uh, infrastructures you put in place to make some great impact. How do you get the word out? Because it's great that you know it's it's not necessarily you build it and they will come. How do you engage your constituents to to, uh, to to participate in these great great initiatives?
0: Well, I'll tell you right now what I'm going to do is tell them to listen to the startup Canada podcast <laughs> with Rivers Corbett. With great Rivers ideas. Corbett, exactly. So uh, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, obviously, in this, there's huge power in social media. There's huge. There's just because I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, they I don't care what sector you're in. I mean, almost, you know, very few except just about everybody knows that this is the low cost way for them to network and reach potential partners, potentially scale their company. So obviously, it, it starts with social media. I mean, uh, yes, absolutely. We use traditional media. We try it. Like I do talks where people actually come to a theater and we, we talk about these things and we talk with the audience. Um, we even do trade shows, good old school trade shows, uh, where where Barry will have a representative or companies we partner with companies and go out to like a clean energy show and that sort of stuff. So we we do use those, but to me it sort of starts starts with the ecosystem on, on social media, where those mentors that I mentioned a minute ago are really key pieces, um, and and I think our our team here at the city tries to project that um, that culture uh, in our online presence. I mean, when, when you kind of analyze our online presence, hopefully we don't quite feel as much like a government as, as others. And I don't think we, we try to pull stunts or anything to do that. I, I would hope that we're just authentic and, uh, about what we want to accomplish and, and wanting to reach out to people. And, uh, you know, we also try and take every interaction as an opportunity. So, yep, somebody may be calling in, they're ticked off about the poor quality of the snow plowing on the residential street. <laughs> we'll say, okay, have you gone online and checked out our GIS portal where you can see the snow plows or where you can, you know, see the next bus that's coming? And uh, by the way, we have this app called Bing Street where we uh, you can submit a suggestion. And, um, it, you know, we, we really use all of our channels, I think, to try and try and engage. That doesn't mean we're always successful, but but certainly online, that's.
2: Yeah, well, there's a concerted effort ultimately as to is to what you're trying to do. And as part of that strategy, I mean, it's a it's a duh question. Yes, Rivers, of course, we do. But I think it's important for our audience to understand this. You're, of course, not only trying to get people engaged, but you're also talking about the success stories that are coming out of, out of uh, the dialogue and ultimately the actions associated with that.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we talk about our own um, innovation here within the organization to try and get a quick message out for residents that, that we're actually walking to talk. But, you know, in the community, uh, what we've started to do is, you know, short video pieces that we can use across platforms that highlight some of the success stories within the community. Like, I really want um, those entrepreneurs out there who are earlier in the process to, to see somebody who five years ago was that. And and see where they are today, and and hear a little bit about you know what made that difference, what hockey stick did they demand for their product. Where you know, and uh, I think when you tell those stories in the first person, you know, we can brag about companies that have done well, but then it's like, yeah, that's the government bragging. Uh, every government is your leader for their own. Every mayor every right. mayor loves to talk about their their success stories and champions. I love it way way more when it comes in their own word. Um, and there's no better way to do that than to ask them to sit in front of a camera and tell us a little bit of their story. So, and right. you know, what that translates to as well online, I mean, aside from the this, um, is where you can get people like the mentors to engage. Um, that's when you're building a personal relationship and the city's role in that is just trying to put great people together.
2: That's really awesome. The, um, um, ultimately, uh, you've created a solid foundation for your city. Uh, you continue on your journey of innovation, bringing public and private together. What's uh, what's next for you, uh, Jeff? Not Mayor <laughs> Jeff, but Jeff the guy.
0: Jeff the guy. Well, thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, I
2: mean, uh, well, there's an election
0: next year, so that's the big conversation with the family over sure. Christmas. But I'll tell you, Rivers, um, especially in the last year, because I've, I had the opportunity through Startup Canada, great, amazing organization, and uh, was mm. in Ottawa for Startup Day on the Hill. Um, yeah, but through other channels, we talked about Fireside earlier, and and certainly, uh, you know, within our world, there's something called the Municipal Innovators Community, which is people uh, trying to drive innovation inside cities. Uh, you know, there's just a lot going on in this space, and I am so firmly of the belief that. If we can build new channels for um, collaboration between startups and municipalities, that we can take advantage of these emerging technologies. So I guess what's next for me is I'd like to, keep trying to find that cultural change, obviously, within my own city and with, with my primary focus here on what we can make happen in the I'd like to get some right. pilot projects together out of a civic accelerator where I actually embed some startups right into some of my departments. That would be a main I'd love to go out to my water department. It, it, so okay, so then we get this big surface water treatment plant. It's like a James Bond villain's lair. This building, it is—it's like huge, and everybody walks around in <laughs> uniforms, and there's incredible <laughs> tech and security, and it's just like—it's uh, a massive place. But within it are people who know everything you ever want to know about keeping water clean, monitoring a, a modern, uh, leading-edge water system, and then a pile of data. And I would love to walk into that building one day and walk past a couple of startups who are sitting in the office area out front, working on the great technology to help make that system work even better Take that approach, yeah. write it across departments. That's the kind of stuff that gets me excited.
2: Well, it's 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 really interesting you say that. I I mean I personally have seen a significant shift in 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 public embracing private to ultimately collaborate together to, uh, to develop innovative ideas, whether it's the startup that says, Hey, I need you to help us. Or it's the public uh, system saying, Hey, I got a problem and I need to, rather than do it internally, I'm going to embrace the the startup community to help us with that problem. Uh, That's to me, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, I think to get to that point as a municipality, like it's funny, I use the water example because that's that's one of the ones where on our end there's, you know, there's all there's a lot of concern about, oh, well, drinking water is uh, it needs to be kept uh, absolutely secure. And, and it creates a challenge for, for collaboration because of, because of the specialized nature of it. It also creates some of the opportunity. Uh, I would tell you that the piece that our side needs to work on before we can even get there is is the cultural piece. And, I am noticing uh, just as you say, Rivers. Like in the federal government, you know, they've got this sort of sandbox now within um, public works as a entirely different approach to procurement and partnering. Um, you're seeing some of that. Certainly, we've seen that out of the Mars Discovery District for several years now. Sure. Uh, yes. I, I think government is coming around. Um, it 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 isn't a natural thing for us because you know the, the the basic organic stuff that you you just the scramble and the burn that you have as a Startup is something that you know you can't really teach it. It's got to come a little bit from within. So it needs right. champions, and and I, I do think those champions exist. I I do think our uh, the 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 ship of government is slowly turning to understand that when we limit ourselves away from these sorts of collaborations, we're just missing out on big opportunities
2: yeah it's well it's also real sexy now to do it because it's it's a great great buzz about what's what's going on and you know exits and all that kind of stuff becomes much more of a a heightened level of dialogue that just didn't exist before so um this podcast is being recorded just before christmas uh it may air after christmas probably will uh do you have a book that you're going to focus in on during the the holidays mayor (laughs)
0: Well, no, there's a great question. I usually get given a bunch of books. So that question is probably easier to answer in a few days when I unwrap (laughs) whatever it is under my Christmas tree.
2: What's one of your go-tos that you would recommend?
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you the one that I gave my new CIO when he started earlier this year uh, is Switch, uh, Chip and Dan Heath. So Switch is about how you get emotional engagement in make change. the, The basic theory uh, and it's an old one that you sort of. What's your why? It's not a new theory, right? It's, right. But but where they went with it, it is just brilliant. I mean, they sort of took uh, take the reader through a number of case studies of major organizations that had to get their people to commit to change, and how the uh, emotional piece of it, how explaining the uh, the reasons why and building engagement around that, was the secret sauce uh, in a way. And I've always believed that, you know, even in what we do. OK, so let's admit it. I'm the mayor of a city, a municipality. Lots of what we do on the surface isn't sexy to the outside world. Potholes and pipes. Anyway. But <laughs> yeah. you know what? Um, the, the, there are there are heroes in my business, too. There are the people who go out at midnight uh, in the middle of a snowstorm and keep everybody safe, whether it's in emergency services or driving a plow or fixing a pipe that just up the road and. All of those things though are specialized skills and and you know what when a lot of when we look at where a lot of our innovation comes from, it bubbles up from from within the people who do the job day after day and, and often say there's a better way and you got to listen to those people. so any, uh-uh. any, any lessons that I can learn, whether it's from a book or from other great leaders out there about how to encourage that to happen is just gold for me. switch
2: switch up and then Love it. Love it. Well, Mayor Jeff, this is this time has just flown by as I knew it would. Um, so honored to have this conversation with you today. Um, honored that you're a mayor of one of our great cities in this country and, uh, and really pushing the entrepreneurship kind of mindset uh, centered around innovation. Keep rocking, my friend, and uh, look forward to, uh, I don't know if you're going up to Fireside again this year coming, but I sure will be there and uh, look forward to, if you're going to be there, to uh, having a beer, with you.
0: Uh for sure. That's yeah, a cam mess from now forward. Anyway, thanks so much for having me on this podcast.
2: Yeah, my pleasure my friend. Have a great great day.
0: Yeah, you too. Thanks for
2: leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode
1: Hi, this is Michelle Romano Co-founder and president of Clearbank, and you are listening to Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. I love
2: that uh, you've referenced leadership. You've earned the right to be listened to. It's uh, I always like to take a, a, an aha moment from everybody that I speak to on the podcast, and you gave me it with that one. And I appreciate that. Um, look, you are a big, big fan of supporting entrepreneurs and and their journeys, and uh, you know, I, um, I I thought it was very. Kind to of you yesterday, when we were doing our test on Skype, and said looking forward to talking to you. And you said, "Hi, Rivers Of course, of course, I would give you my time. I'm so looking forward to speaking to you tomorrow." You really, really do that so well, and make people feel comfortable that they're not wasting your time in that regard. And and so, thank you for that. Um, the second part is I want to, as we end our conversation, I want I want you to talk more about the uh, the charity that you're the charity work you're doing with regards to entrepreneurship and Richard Branson. Because you're right, I did. Uh, I hear, did hear about that at Startup Day on the Hill and the award ceremony and so on. But I want to. I want you to talk about it as we uh, as we head to the end of this awesome conversation.
1: Yeah. So I think um, you know one of the things that uh, and this was really. Um, led by my mentor, Ruma Bose, and she's amazing. And so she she's been an entrepreneur as well for for 20 years and did a huge body of research around why, you know, what are the what are the problems and issues we're having um, in entrepreneurship in Canada. And one of the things is we asked Canadians to name the entrepreneurs they look up to. And uh-huh. what was shocking is half of Canadians, 51% almost, could not name an entrepreneur. They looked up to, and wow. so that's the first problem. That <laughs>
2: the, did the other half say Don Cherry?
1: <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't say <laughs> Don Cherry, but they said they said John Molson, They said okay, you know, the founder of Bombardier. They they said, um, you know, Kevin O'Leary. Uh, yes, and you know, first of all, everyone in the top five, and then they said some Americans, um, ah. the, the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musk's and and Bill Gates. Um, but really, you know, there wasn't a single female in the top five that, uh, that people thought of as an entrepreneur. And this is a problem if we, we don't look up to entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs, you know, build the world that we live in going forward. They and do. They look yeah, they're, the, they're, they're the heroes, right? They're the heroes. And and not in a not in a trite way. Like we have big global problems to solve. And uh-huh. you know, governments and lots of people have very good intentions around how do we build, you know, clean energy and, you know, the technology for the future. But ultimately, you know, it was Elon Musk, the entrepreneur that said, "I'm building this car and I'm making this mainstream." And yeah. when you think about the impact that made, it was extraordinary. And so I think that we we need to have um, we need to have those aspirations in society because there's a lot of people that aspire to be rock stars and basketball players and you know other careers that are that are celebrity related and there's nothing wrong with that um, but we also need to put entrepreneurs on that same pedestal because they they change the world we live in and uh, they'll be ultimately the ones um, that bring us to uh, to a much better place I think.